And the impact of this bill, it's hard to underestimate. Welcome to Extension Out Loud, Episode 1. I'm Paul Treadwell. And I'm Katie Bailden. And our topic today is the Farm Bill. Over the next few episodes, we'll be taking a deep dive into the Farm Bill and its impact on your life and world. But today, we'd like to give you an overview of the bill and why it matters. Our guest for today is Julie Suarez, Associate Dean of Governmental and Community Relations at the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences here at Cornell. Welcome, Julie. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, Julie, the Farm Bill. We hear about it on the news, but what is it? What does it do? And why should someone who's not a farmer care about it? So I've often thought that the Farm Bill should really more accurately be named now the Farm and Food Bill, because realistically, anybody who eats in New York State or beyond should really care about this process that we go through every five or so years to reauthorize this massive omnibus bill. And it sounds like it just deals with farmers, but really it touches every aspect, again, of people's lives particularly everybody who likes to eat, which the last time I checked was all of us. (laughs) So um, in New York State, do we have any local or state bills that are comparable? We really don't. And I think, you know, in New York State, we're more of an annual basis. The Farm Bill is considered to be an omnibus bill, which means a lot of different provisions go in it, as we'll address later. There's 12 different titles of the Farm Bill. And again, it's reauthorized every five years. And the reason for that is very specific because it's designed to give farmers and communities a sense of permanency or a sense of an ability to plan. So for five years, you take out some of the uncertainty and risk that's involved in farming. So that five-year time horizon is really important. One of the things that's interesting about the Farm Bill is that it originally came into being during the Great Depression, which most people don't really think about these days. And the original purpose of it was really strictly to subsidize or to provide relief to farmers who are really in economically terrible times um, because of the Great Depression, you know, first fostered by the, by the Dust Bowl. You know, over time, you know, here we are in the year 2018, and that farm bill has really morphed and changed into something that impacts everybody's lives. And it's no longer so much a vehicle to subsidize farmers as it is to talk about food quality, food safety, really important nutrition title in the Farm Bill, and also works on providing uh, risk management assistance for farmers to help keep them economically sustainable, and of course does a lot with conservation and environmental titles, which is important to everybody who breathes, thinks about water quality, enjoys the open spaces that we have in New York and beyond. What's the process for crafting this bill? And where are we at this point in time? So each House of the Legislature, so the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, have to pass their own version of the Farm Bill. Once they've each passed their own version of the Farm Bill, which theoretically sets forth the vision of each House of the Legislature for how they anticipate this process to go forward, they have to come together in a conference committee and actually negotiate and compromise over the shape of the final substance of the bill. Right now, the House passed their bill after a little bit of debate, quite a bit of debate actually, in around May, and the Senate actually just wrapped up passing their version of the Farm Bill in June. So we anticipate that conference committees will be called very soon and hopefully we'll start working to come together and to build consensus between the two houses. It's really important that the Farm Bill be finalized shortly because it expires September 30th of 2018. 
And so a lot of our programs that our farmers rely on, a lot of our programs that our food insecure people in New York State rely on are really dependent upon uh, Congress sending the president a farm bill that's negotiated, that's conferenced, and that the president can sign before September 30th. So you bring up a point. How far apart are the House and Senate and their versions of the bill right now in this reconciliation process? Is it going to be smooth or do you... Well, I don't anticipate that it's particularly going to be very smooth, and that's less so over the farm and agricultural titles of the bill than it is over a policy disagreement right now over SNAP or the Supplemental Nutrition and Assistance Program. You know, New York State, most people don't think about New York as being a very food insecure state, but about 13% of our population in New York State is currently food insecure. Of the 13%, about 17%, almost 20%, uh, are actually children living in households who, who don't necessarily have enough food to eat. And so that SNAP title is a really important part of the Farm Bill and, and again represents almost 80% of the spending, which is why I think really we should be talking about the Farm and Food Bill. And so that provision ha has become very controversial between the House version, which adopts workforce requirements on SNAP participants, and the Senate version, which largely leaves the SNAP title alone. So that will be the major focus of controversy in the bill as it goes forward. You know, some other stickier areas are the conservation programs. There's some differences there. But for the most part on the agricultural side, the House and Senate largely agree a um, couple differences here and there, but again, the, the controversial part will really be the SNAP program. Let's just take a step back and look at how has the Farm Bill changed over the years? You mentioned it started out in 1930-ish, 33-ish, as the Agricultural Adjustment Act, and it's become this omnibus, this behemoth bill now. How has it made that transition over time? Well, the really exciting thing about the Farm Bill from a policy perspective is that over time it's really grown to encompass a lot more priorities that we care about in New York. So we've added a horticultural title. You know, farmers in New York State grow a tremendous amount of specialty crops, fresh fruits and vegetables for us to eat. We're the number two producing apple state in the U.S. And so that horticultural title is really important to us and really helps provide support for specialty crop farmers, also provides a lot of agricultural research and development. The first version of the Farm Bill really didn't touch on agricultural research and development, really didn't fund an extension system, so important to make sure that we're serving our communities and our land grant mission at the college. And it also didn't include things like rural development, um, access to credit for farmers, really important to have those farm services agency loans in, in certain times also didn't include conservation titles. You know, what we take for granted right now, a lot of our land conservation programs and our equip programs that come from the Farm Bill didn't exist about 15 or 20 years or so ago. And so the Farm Bill, I think, has changed as people's views on agriculture have, have changed. And so we've really been accomplishing policy goals through having that steady source of resources. So are there any ways that you anticipate that the new version of the bill will impact people's lives other than, than farmers in New York? Well, certainly the status of the nutrition title and what happens with the SNAP program will really impact people's lives, particularly for those residents in New York State who are food insecure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important point to, to think about as, as we go forward in this debate. Um, neither version of the bill takes away 
supplemental nutrition assistance programs, formerly known as food stamps, but they do change who's eligible to receive that assistance. So we've already talked about some of the titles, but let's take a, a moment here and just focus on a couple titles here and sort of tease out what their implications might be. So Title I, as we've mentioned, focuses on commodities, and that includes agricultural risk coverage, price loss coverage, and the dairy and sugar programs. So um, New York State dairy farmers have been facing financial struggles lately uh, due to milk pricing. Does Title I of the Farm Bill address any of these struggles? So yes, it's a great question. And as we've seen fluid milk consumption go down, as we've seen more and more trade uncertainties, We've noticed that dairy farmers are facing probably one of the most difficult pricing periods that they've had in New York State in recent memory. And that's because the the current slump in dairy has been so prolonged. And New York State was sending a lot of dairy products to Canada. We're sending a lot of products to global markets, such as in China. And so the impact of trade uncertainties is further exacerbating the price situations Mm -hmm. faced on our dairy farmers. One of the things that's really difficult about the dairy industry is that it's hard to develop risk management or tools to help dairy farmers mitigate the risk of downturns in the down in, in the dairy economy. And it's pretty simple as a consumer to think, well, can't you just not produce as much milk as you're doing? Mm-hmm. But it's really hard. You know, there's no spigot that turns off a cow. <laughs> and so, you know, really... Um, difficult for dairy farmers to manage some of these these downturns right now. Uh, The Farm Bill is really important to dairy because the Farm Bill negotiations between the House and Senate will help set the stage for what type of insurance product dairy farmers can purchase. Right now they have access to something called the Margin Protection Program, and that's sort of working in New York State, but has not perhaps been the most effective vehicle, in part because of the way New York produces milk, we're a little bit higher cost state in some respects, and the MPP program doesn't always take that into account. So we're really hoping for some positive changes between the House and Senate bill. And both the House and Senate are reasonably in agreement that we need to do more for dairy farmers. So so we hope that when the farm bill passes that we'll see improvements in the type of insurance product that a dairy farmer can have that will help mitigate some of these difficult downturns that they're facing right now. So can I just follow up on that? Because if you're not a farmer, what does that actually do for the farmer and how does that help? All of us, how does that stabilize the market? Great question. It actually helps the farmer insure against downturns. So they're basically insuring for the price or the value produced of their, their, their milk. If you think about it broadly, you're effectively creating a floor. So if the price of milk or the price paid to farmers drops below a certain threshold, they can pay for an insurance product that will then provide effectively a premium reimbursement to that farmer when the when the price hits a, a dramatic downturn. So that ability to mitigate the risk will help the farmer insure for their cost of production. Does that adjustment in insurance, does that take into account environmental factors that are going to have an impact on your production? Not nearly as much as it should. So that's one of the changes that dairy farmers have been seeking in the bill is a better recognition of the costs of feeding animals and that cost of production. So that's an excellent question. One of the things that I think is really important for the dairy community too is that the Farm Bill does always provide a lot of research support. And one of the ways that our college's uh, food science department continues to innovate or to help the dairy community innovate 
are research that helps create innovative new products that consumers want to eat. So what is the next Greek yogurt? You know, what is the next product that we can encourage consumers to eat a healthful, low-fat dairy product that will drive local consumption of, of dairy products? And that really is one of the ultimate answers to the situation is to help increase consumers' consumption of healthy, low-fat dairy products as part of a nutritious and balanced diet. And so that research title, again within the Farm Bill, super important, not just mm -hmm. for our food science and our dairy sector innovations, but everything we do to help the farm community long-term in New York State. When we look at ways that we've used the specialty crop research title, we've been able to help develop new plants and new varieties that grow well in our Northeast climate, help mitigate farmers' risk from different plant pests and plant diseases. Mm -hmm. And so that research title is really important to the college as we go forward. And what's important for consumers to know is that it only represents about 2% of the entire cost of the farm bill. So something that's been important to the college has been advocating for increasing uh, our support for research and development in this country. You know, we noticed that China, Argentina, Brazil, their public support for R&D in the ag sector has fast outpaced ours since the year 2015. So we really have to turn that around if we're going to continue to have the type of innovation in the agricultural sector that our farmers need and frankly that our consumers need. And we were talking a lot about dairy. The price supports are also in place for other crops as well, like you mentioned apples earlier. So it's, it's important for, for different products as well, correct? Yeah, that's always been a little bit tricky because in New York, remember, we are a very high specialty crop state. So a lot of apples, a lot of vegetables, a lot of dairy. And so we don't grow as many row crops. So those price supports really help if you're growing cotton down south, mm -hmm. if you're growing sugar beets out in Montana, you know, our farmers do certainly receive some price supports for corn and soybeans, but really probably not as much as, as one would think. That's why farmers in New York State have always been really concerned about the crop insurance title, mm -hmm. which does allow farmers an ability, again, to purchase an insurance product that will help them mitigate their risk. Mm -hmm. And it's really important because if you're walking down the street and you see a dry cleaner, right? A dry cleaner can purchase commercial business liability insurance, but farmers don't have the ability to purchase commercial insurance to insure against business losses and things like Hurricane Sandy. When that hit our community in New York State, we had a large percentage of our fruit and vegetable farmers that were really negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. And so we have to do everything we can to make sure that risk management title is, is well supported. You know, as we're talking about the Farm Bill, it really makes me think about the, the changing nature of our rural communities. And it seems like there's, there's much more to the Farm Bill than just focus on farmers. And I know we've said this once or twice, but really it is this, this attempt to integrate and support our rural communities in a way that, that make them healthy, vital, and viable. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about working for Extension is we have offices across New York State, and we have folks who are actively engaged in programs. And I think a lot of that ties back into some of the research that's being done and, and being funded through the Farm Bill. So it really is more than, it really needs a different name so that we can, we can help people understand the actual breadth of what it does. Absolutely. And in fact, there's no other policy 
bill that goes before Congress that I'm aware of, although I should say this is that I'm aware of, uh, that really touches rural communities so broadly as the Farm Bill. Um, the Rural Development Title helps provide support for rural areas to help incentivize uh, small business development, whether it's agricultural, non-agricultural, also helps communities with infrastructure, right? Rural communities don't oftentimes have a lot of access to different resources. so helps foster infrastructure loans, uh, water treatment facilities, stuff that's really important in rural communities to deal with that, that don't have as many resources. So um, Title II is conservation, and I have seen a little bit about that in the news. What are some of the expected changes, um, and will we see any of the impacts from those changes in New York? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the conservation title is one of those areas in the Farm Bill, much like the nutrition title, that is very different between the House and Senate versions. And so one of the things that, that uh, we're particularly excited about in the Senate version of the bill is a new pilot program that really builds on a lot of work that's been going on at Cornell, the land-grant system nationwide, to create a pilot soil health program to help farmers improve soil health, which has tremendous, you know, both agricultural and profitability benefits in terms of improving your yield, has great environmental benefits as well in terms of mitigating your trips across the field. So you plant cover crops or you help reduce your greenhouse gas emissions by sequestering carbon right in the soil. And so we're really excited about that soil health emphasis in, in the Senate version of the bill. In the House, what they did is they decreased funding slightly for conservation programs in general, and they consolidated a number of the conservation programs that we've relied on. We see um, that the House left in something that was really important to New York farmers, particularly those in the Chesapeake Bay watershed and those in the Long Island Sound, because the House really helped in, increase a little bit support to the regional conservation programs. And those are what's been funding some great work that's going on to help promote water quality and sound strategies um, for farmers in those two watershed areas right in New York. So a little bit too early to say how that will shake out. Title IV deals with nutrition, and we've already talked about SNAP a little bit, but I've read that this section of the bill takes up about 80% of the total farm bill costs. So in a little more detail, what does Title IV actually do and who does it affect? So Title IV really, again, helps fund a Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And that, you know, used to be known as the Food Stamps Program, helps provide food directly to people who are food insecure. Also helps, you know, with Women and Infants and Children's Program. What's important from an extension perspective is that our extension administrators, along with uh, partnerships, with food banks associations in New York and also with our partners at New York State Department of Health and the Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance have really focused on providing SNAP education or SNAP ed because it's important that we think about rather than just give people food, we also think about teaching strategies for healthy eating and better living. You know, I've talked about 13% of New York State residents currently being food insecure. One out of two youth, however, are obese. And so we have to think about this issue much more broadly beyond not only providing access to food, but really importantly, providing access to healthy food. You know, important to increase and encourage consumption of vegetables. One of the things that I love about some of our Cornell Cooperative Extension programs is because they're so community-centered, they work right with individuals where they live 
which is really important when you're trying to reach audiences that are sometimes difficult. So for instance, in totality, we reached about 95,000 youth across the state of New York last year, just to help with uh, cooking classes, with healthy eating classes. Suffolk County Cooperative Extension has this great program where they go in and talk to kids about eating a rainbow. Mm -hmm. So how do you encourage kids to eat healthily? you give them a rainbow of options. You show them that vegetables can actually taste good. And so those interactive things are really important um, to, to have strategies that not only help make sure that people have access to food, but also that improves their health outcomes, which are so important for lifelong learning, especially for, for our youth population right now. When we talk about SNAP-Ed, we're talking about a program that serves more than just rural communities, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. SNAP-Ed serves both rural and urban constituencies. You have very active programs in our major upstate cities, very active programs in New York City as well, which are the New York City programs are largely run through the food bank associations down there. And um, anybody who is food insecure benefits from the SNAP program or from SNAP-Ed, regardless of where they live. Title three of the bill focuses on trade. What exactly does that mean for New York State farmers? That again is an excellent question because there's a lot of uncertainties about trade at this time in our current political environment and with the, you know, certainly with China and we're talking about tariffs and the farm community is greatly worried about the impact trade wars will have. One of the areas where we're running a surplus with most of the rest of the world mm -hmm. is actually in the provision of agricultural commodities to other countries. But specifically for New York, one of my favorite stories about how New York farmers use the Farm Bill is actually in something called the Market Access Program. And so our New York State Wine and Grape Foundation, in partnership with many wineries throughout the state of New York, has really focused on using the Market Access Program to conduct tours and tastings of overseas markets. So right now, a few wineries in the Finger Lakes are actually selling wine directly to consumers in South Korea. Hmm. And that all started because of Market Access Promotion Dollars. Not only are we now sending wine to South Korea, we also export a lot of our apples to the United Kingdom, uh, over to the European Union, to countries like Israel. And a lot of that all started from, from some very basic grants from the Market Access Program, which really helps producers market their programs internationally. Wrapping up, how would you sum up the impact of the Farm Bill on New York State and our multifaceted population? Well, it really should be called the Farm and Food Bill because, it, again, everybody who eats should really care about what happens in the Farm Bill. And the impact of this bill, it's hard to underestimate because it touches so many farmers' lives, the lives of so many people in rural communities, and particularly those who are food insecure as well. And so we really hope that the House and Senate have successful conference negotiations and that they go forward and recognize how important it is to have a healthy uh, farm and food bill for all of us in New York State. And that's it for this episode. Thanks to our special guest, Julie Suarez, and thanks to all of you for listening. Upcoming episodes of CCE Out Loud will take a look at some specific aspects of the Farm Bill, its impact on dairy production, how it will affect conservation in New York, and more. But it's not Farm Bill all the time. We're working on episodes exploring local foods, and we'll be visiting the Great New York State Fair at the end of August. So stay tuned as we explore the ongoing work of Cornell Cooperative Extension across New York State.